Hello there. Hello. Oh, I didn't say General Kenobi. God damn it, Dean. Oh, I keep on failing at this every time. We'll get you there one day. We'll get you there one day. Hello. Uh, ignore the stupid intro. Um, we're back. We're going to talk more stuff. What are we going to talk about, Dean? Um, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, well, <laughs> what what's been on the go? Well, there's a couple of spoke. there's a couple of books I want to tell you about. Um, they're not very long books, uh, but I've read the mm-hmm. first two in a series. Um, so I will talk a little bit about that, and then maybe I do believe that we have watched the same Marvel Disney Plus content, perhaps, or perhaps you have watched some of the. Oh yes, I've started. I started watching Loki. Yeah. Oh, splendid. I think we can get to that then a little bit later. Chat about that. Fantastic. Uh, Well, I guess to start us off, I started a book series written by Martha Wells, and it is called The Murderbot Diaries, or just Murderbot for short, as I've seen online. It's just called Murderbot, basically. (laughs) And what it is, is a series of say five novellas and one novel so the novellas are about 170 pages and the novel which is book four is it book five i don't remember book five the novel is book five um and that's regular novel size about 400 pages so i read the first two book one is called all systems read and book two is called artificial condition And after reading them, those titles are great. Um, So what the basic premise is, Murderbot is a robot programmed for security, a.k.a. murdering. Um, (laughs) But this robot has kind of hacked its own, what they call governor module. It's like control system. And it's become self-aware. The Terminator is becoming self-aware, basically. Um, It's 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 becoming independent. It has agency now. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know whether to say it, they, he or she, because the gender of the robot is left purposefully and very intentionally ambiguous and vague. And I love that because... I was actually reading this character as a female in the first book and then you just kind of project yourself into the character as the series goes along and I think it's genius and I'll explain why. Mm -hmm. So the basic premise of Murderbot is that this robot is kind of depressed, socially anxious, awkward and basically, yeah, just deals with anxiety and doesn't deal well with socializing, with talking to humans and dealing with their emotions or even recognizing their emotions that they're now beginning to have. And it's fantastic. It's a brilliant, brilliant series. Um, and I'm only two books in. It's great. Um, they, I'll say they, they obviously hack their governor module. Um, but they're still doing contracts and jobs as a security bot, or they call themselves murder bot uh, to give themselves a name. They just call themselves murder bot. Um, so what 
it kind of ends up doing is it's the first books all systems red starts off with working a new contract for new clients on this planet they're basically researchers uh you know examining a new planet we're not really sure it doesn't really matter it's not the point of the story but they're doing research like digs like essentially you know scientists archaeologists whatever and Murderbot is there to protect this group of humans. So we get to know the cast of characters um, on this dig or on this uh, excavation, whatever it is, through the eyes of Murderbot. So it's told in the first person. Um, you're, you're just sucked right into the brain of this character. It's like, I see this, I do that, blah, blah, blah. And what they like to do is to do their job, leave the humans, go away, and then just watch reality TV that it's downloaded in its brain. Or not reality TV, it's, it watches all kinds of TV, like, you know, different kinds of shows and whatever. So it downloads media into its feed and just kind of watches TV all day when it doesn't have to work and basically you're thrown into the mind of a character who struggles so much with social anxiety that you can't help but feel for it uh, and you can't help but project yourself into these situations because there's some really tense um high pressure situations when you know the 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 scientist team are discovering weird shit on the planet and and there's another team working all the way over there that they need to go investigate because the signal's gone dead and oh are the other team okay we need to go see them and there's all these little situations where murderbot is then forced to just kind of oh i don't care come on let me just sit here and watch my tv you know and whenever the humans start to cop on to the fact that, you know, Murderbot is possibly not just a security robot that is programmed to do one thing and one thing only, but it has emotions, it understands social cues and things, Murderbot gets progressively more anxious, you know? So it has this, like, shield that it can or this visor that it can put down on its helmet. And there's these little funny moments where a character will call out something Murderbot said or did that's a bit odd, and it just pulls down the visor. It's like, I put down my visor straight away because I could not deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then instead of having to look at the facial expressions of the, the person, which of the person it's talking to, which makes it more nervous, it hacks into security cameras looking down on the situation because it <laughs> finds that easier to look at and it's just all these little kind of things i haven't related to a character that isn't human this much since i don't know like yoda <laughs> yeah i don't know like it it's it's crazy how well this book is written and it's so simple I'd say, you know, sci-fi, real sci-fi nerds might have a problem with the lack of world building or the lack of the, the, the planet itself is a bit 
bland it's just a, it's in the future but it's really not the point of the story the point of the story is to just really get inside the head of this character and um book two is called artificial condition is i'm not going to spoil anything that really that happens in book one i kind of gave it a general gist of the, the plot that's that's essentially it they need to go investigate what happened to the other crew other than that go read it it's i read it in three hours the second book artificial condition Murderbot is going out on its own it's run away from this group of people doesn't want to deal with it at the end of the the first book they kind of want it to always work for Murderbot because they now trust it at the end and it doesn't like that it's now tied to these people so he kind of he she whatever (laughs) uh the book two i started to read Murderbot more than he I don't know why I think it's just projection but it just bounces and it goes off traveling to see there's something in its like memory logs that it has the memory of losing it on a previous project and killing loads of people just straight up murder botting mm-hmm. um so the second book deals with it traveling back to the planet where that happened and seeing if it can find out what exactly happened how did it go so wrong why did it kill all these people all this kind of stuff and on the way there uh basically not really hijacks but gets on this transport ship that is also an ai ship and the ai realizes that Murderbot is not tied to its governor module and it's making its own decisions and all this kind of so it has a conversation with Murderbot, and the second book is just the conversations between this ai ship and Murderbot as it goes to this planet to figure out what's going on it has to take another job just to transport it there and all this kind of so it's the building relationship between art or art which is the name of the ship and Murderbot. Mm-hmm. And it's great. And it, the, the title of the book is fantastic. Artificial Condition. W- wonderful title. Um, yeah. But there's not much, there's honestly not that much plot. It's just very much a character study, a social anxiety study. It's about mental illness. It's about, you know, comforts, media comforts, what we have in everyday life. It's about, you know, corporate jobs being a cog in the machine of something that doesn't really matter and big corporations making you do things that you don't want to do all this kind of stuff it's there's so much subtext to it that it's 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 absolutely brilliant um book three i have a, i have all the books now on my shelf uh book three is rogue protocol book four is called exit strategy and then i'm gonna get to the novel like which is the big the bigger one, it's called Network Effect. So I've plenty more Murderbot diaries to uh, <laughs> yeah. to get to. But yeah, I think it's I think it's brilliant. I think it's very very unique. It's it's not unique in the sense that look, we've had AI characters before and robot characters before that are trying to deal with what it means to be human and all that kind of stuff. But just the slant of dealing with mental illness and struggling with anxiety is very 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 interesting um Mm. and it made it completely unique for me so yeah highly highly recommend that to people even not even fans that are are 
um, readers that aren't really into sci-fi, read Murderbot. It's 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 not you know anything that will uh, go over your head science-wise or you know there's no pew 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 really. Oh so, yeah, <laughs> cool. Sounds Highly good. recommended. I should check that out. Um, so that's murder, but I have a few more on the way down the pipeline. I'll um, read another few things first. Maybe I need to get back to the expanse, but yeah, Murderbot will will appear once again on this show down the line. What about yourself, Dan? What's been on the menu lately? Um, well, I mentioned we'd been. I dipped my toes into it. This is only a little. This is only recent, but um, I dipped my toes into Loki. Fun. Which is fun. I I never had any real interest in it. I don't know why I just put it on. I'll be honest with you. Like I've never really been too fussed by the character. Yeah. I like Tom Hiddleston. Like he's yeah. a great actor. Um. I've just always been like, been a bit like, yeah, not too bothered. And I yeah. wasn't sure what I was even expecting from that show. It's because I went on holiday and I downloaded a bunch of stuff off of Disney Plus just to watch when I was kind of sitting around in the evenings. And uh, I just thought, oh, that's uh, there's a whole season of that to watch. I'll download a few and see what I think. And I was very, very surprised by how much I enjoyed the first episode. And it was not what I was expecting at all from the show. Yep. Um, to be honest with you, uh, I didn't know anything about it going into it. Like I, I've not seen any trailers, not seen any previews, mm-hmm. not read anything about it online. All I knew is okay. So it's another Marvel show on Disney Plus. It's about this character. Yeah. Okay then. And so I just put it on, and uh, yeah, I was quite surprised. I was like, okay, so I wasn't really expecting the tone of it or anything. To me, it was kind of riffing off of a bit of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy yep. sort of sensibility about it uh, with the humour and stuff and definitely the kind of like the the depiction of things visually as well reminiscent a bit of a bit of fifth element to it yeah. um, another few things I guess like the, there's obviously the nod in the character name of Morpheus not Mobius, Mobius. Sorry, not Morpheus what am I about Mobius um, obviously to the artwork of Mobius himself <laughs> like the comic book artist which is again is you know you can see that in the show and the way it's put together visually um, Bill and Ted yeah. another little sort of influence there on it but yeah just the, just the tone of it I wasn't expecting sci-fi I wasn't expecting a time travel sort of thing and I certainly wasn't expecting the aesthetic approach to it visually and stuff and or, or just also the soundtrack's great mm-hmm. um, the way it was all put together that first episode really sold it to me I was like oh wow okay this is not what I was imagining and I was quite invested in it um, and then I probably got a couple more episodes in after that point maybe up to episode three mm-hmm. and uh, didn't quite live up to the expectation of that first episode it started to go into territory that maybe i was more expecting from a, a show like that and it didn't surprise me as much yeah but i'm still i was still like invested enough into the character by then and their approach on it and i i, I don't know I, I like the playful idea of like it's almost taking the i guess t- the idea of like subverting the ego of being a godlike figure 
and dragging that figure right down to earth yeah. and making them accept the fact that like you are irrelevant in the grander scheme of things. Like you may think that you're a big deal in your own universe, but there are greater things at work here and you're just a tiny, tiny little cog in in a machine that you don't even understand. And I love that idea of like playing about with like the ego of that character and with the idea of like a, a character that is a deity having to address that and kind of deal with the idea of, oh, suddenly you're no longer as important as you think you are. Um, yeah, that's that's a really fun concept. I think that they're playing about with. Well, um, I'm glad you enjoy it. Um, I've been dying for people to watch the show, get into the sh- show, or at least some of the things that are coming down the pipeline as well. Just, I'm excited to see how weird and how out there they'll get with the. I think especially mm-hmm. the Disney Plus stuff. Some movies they'll they'll go wild with, but yeah, Loki, yeah. Really, really, really great. Um, I obviously didn't expect a lot of the aspects to it. I knew the gist of what some things would be um, going into mm-hmm. it. That's just, it's both a blessing and a curse of just knowing some extra shit. Uh, yeah. But I loved the first episode. I thought the second episode was great. Episode three, I didn't like um, and I think it's because I didn't like a certain character that they introduced. Um, even okay. though I love the concept of that character, I'm not sure I liked the actor that played this character. The, um, her, what's her name? Sophie Di Matteo or something. I think her, her name is the actress. Okay. Um, but I think episode four is wildly weird and great. Um mm-hmm. I'm excited for you to see that and to see your reaction to even some of the actors in that. One particular actor, which is hilarious in episode four. And you're not going to be expecting this actor in episode four. And the rest of the show then, I feel like episode five was about to be very, very generic and very, very predictable. But it's not. Uh, And they were doing that very intentionally in episode five leading you towards something that you're totally going to expect and episode six blew my mind the ending blew my mind but it blew my mind from a kind of comic fan perspective and a fan of what will the what the repercussions will be basically okay uh but i don't think that will hinder non-comic readers enjoyment of the ending of the show um, and it will just make you excited for the future because one thing is there it's it's not a mini series so it's not going to be um like one division like falcon winter soldier blah blah, blah, blah. Uh, loki is confirmed to be a full tv show so they're making a season two right now which is uh very cool because the dynamic between loki and mobius is fantastic and that thing yeah, they've got yeah. I mean, going, Wilson's always uh, yeah. I mean excellent in my opinion in, in yeah. anything even if he's starred in some dud like comedies over the years that he's yeah. maybe you know yeah, he's still excellent and uh, yeah he does a fantastic job in that role yeah the only thing the, the thing that kind of the thing that didn't bug me but I felt like oh you kind of dropped the ball a bit there I think from my expectation from that first episode going into the second one and then the third is it felt to me a bit like they'd rush something which yeah. could have 
developed into a really interesting concept for a show and like being you know at the end of the day especially like say this is an ongoing series not a mini series you need to establish a format that can yeah keep people engaged and keep the stories fresh and you know do your I guess what's the term like like the monster of the week episode is the yeah. term obviously that gets thrown about all over the place but yeah you know what I mean that you can have a you can have a standalone story within a, a story each time and that can be interesting and the show initially sets itself up to have that yeah with the pursuit of a you know, yeah we're trying to dance around spoiling here but I never I'm not I've not seen enough really to spoil it for myself but still the initial setup sets up the idea of like the pursuit of a particular character that Loki himself has been recruited into helping like stop. Yeah. And that was enough of a great hook that they could have done a lot with the time travel concept to dance around different time periods and stuff and yeah. be pursuing this character. But what, what happens instead, and it won't be too much of a spoiler is that that character is found and encountered almost immediately in the story. Yeah. And then it becomes more of like a buddy film of like, oh, you know, it, it takes on that concept of like, you know, like the let's pair these two together and see how they cope sort of thing. And I think that's way less interesting than the initial setup, which could have been, like I say, to have just gone into all these different time periods and to gradually build up to the mystery of who is this character that we're trying to pursue and a showdown and a confrontation then around that and have more fun with Loki, the Loki character and the Mobius character in these different time periods and, yeah. and the buddy aspect coming from them being together rather yeah. than this other pairing. It just, 100%. I, I feel like they dropped the ball a bit there. It's like, come on, you had something really good and you just resolved it immediately and now it's I 100% generic. I 100% agree. I think the, the mm -hmm. buddy aspect that they then went for could have been used with just Loki and Mobius, but I will say that that's what they're setting up for season two. Okay. Um, that I think they're not, they're not stupid. They know the elements of the shows that they, or the elements in their stuff that, that work, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And that will be a big thing in season two. I can imagine just from the ending of the, the, the season. Yeah. I think the biggest problem I had with the show, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it got me very excited for a lot of things. I really loved episode one and episode four. Uh, loved the whole uh, vibe of episode six, especially the one actor that they get in to play a certain character that blew my mind um that won't mean anything to you really um <laughs> Until I get to it, yeah. but the actor is phenomenal um yeah the one major kind of gripe I had I guess is that I just didn't buy the connection instantly between the two characters that were set up to you know find them cool together I didn't uh, I didn't vibe mm -hmm. with them um, and I'm not sure if it was her I'm not sure if it was just the situation um, and it doesn't really improve throughout the season like it gets to a stage where just like I don't care about this character but it doesn't detract from everything the show does then at the end um, mm -hmm. it kind of goes in a new direction 
But yeah, I totally agree. But the thing that is cool, it's very difficult to talk about this without spoiling. Um, the thing that's cool is that they rope it back to the bare bone elements of what made episode one so cool at the very end of the show. And that makes me excited for season two. Because, you know, at the, by the time season two comes out, you look back on season one and be like, oh, there's a very establishing ep- season of television, only six episodes. Maybe season two might be eight or ten and we'll get more of this kind of stuff with Mobius and Loki. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they it might be a hindrance that they need to set a few things up, which is a common thing with Marvel, I guess, for the casual viewer. But I love it and I don't care. Uh, the things that they're setting up that will branch out, pun intended for anyone who's actually watched Loki, <laughs> the things that will branch out of the end of the show are just gimme anyway. I will leave it there. But yeah, I completely agree with you. I don't know. What did you think of um, episode three? You said you watched episode three? Uh, I've yet to finish episode three. Right. That's kind of like, yeah. I'm not really, like I said, this, this has been something I've just been putting on in a lunch break or something. I'm watching a bit of and then pausing yeah. it, coming back to it. It's not, it's not really been something I've been kind of like allotting myself time for in the evenings nothing much actually happens in episode three i feel it's just very much an introduction to these um, this relationship that they want to develop um Mm -hmm. but yeah i loved episode four the weirdness of episode four i think you'd enjoy that i think you would enjoy the end of the the show um and the whole thing of who the timekeepers are is great how they deal with that um, but yeah, I love the kind of Twilight zone vibe of the whole thing. It's just very, almost like sci-fi police procedural a bit with all this uh, administration going on and, you know, the uh, the TVA. It's just that whole setting was just really, really cool to see. Yeah, it's well done. almost a bit of an element of like, uh, Terry Gilliam's Brazil yeah. about it as well like it's got that, that kind of visual like I said the visual aesthetic of it I, I thought was, was really really great like uh, it's one of the best looking TV shows I've seen them do yeah um, like everybody the art direction and everybody else involved in that have done a really solid job on it yeah um, really stands out tell you what you know what I might mention since uh since I was on that holiday and like I say I did this was sort of like some comfort viewing I, I was downloading stuff like I say off of uh, Disney plus like to, to watch later and I'm just uh, looking through here to see a few things that I did watch one thing that I watched that which was recently enough which was hugely enjoyable and uh is like a I guess Technically a reality game show of some kind, if we're going to go into that territory. We, we don't typically do this, but uh, um, was one called Race to the Centre of the Earth. Okay. Which is, uh, you know, there's uh, National Geographic content on Disney. Yeah. So it's a National Geographic show. And um, the basic gist is that a group of I think it's four different teams um, are assigned a 
tasks around the world, different locations, adventure race tasks, uh, where they can accrue points and then they use those points to gain a head start at a final race in Hawaii where they get to try and reach a boy which has a million dollars floating underneath it. Cool. Win the grand prize. Yeah, so you've got different competitors from all different walks of life and they all just compete each episode um, and like two-day events at times to try and gain as many points as possible. But it's the first time in a good while that I've watched a bit of reality TV like that Yeah, where it kept me completely on the, the edge of my seat from beginning to end and you cannot see even right up to the the final episode of the the showdown between all the teams given people having advantages over others uh you cannot tell where it's going to go it's completely unpredictable from beginning to end um and it's just got a really interesting group of people involved in it i'm not going to say characters obviously not characters they're real people we're dealing with but um yeah they're just just a really likable bunch like there's there's a few there's one or two characters that maybe might rub certain people up the wrong way a little bit um, right. but you know these shows always cast somebody like that to add a certain element to it yeah but um yeah there's just there's this one team this guy what's his name now he's dave bacon or something he runs a company that's like it's called bacon something or other on the surface i think anyone who might watch him would be like i'm gonna really dislike this guy like because he, he's so confident he's really in your face he's really loud and bold personality such a lovable dude like he's such like deep down you know you can tell he's he's really genuine compassionate guy who's like there to support his team and he's there for the right reasons and he's not he's not up his own backside or anything he's like when you kind of like get to see the other sides of his personality come through as the show progresses you just think like what what a a wonderful guy like he's really really great and uh and the people that he he's working with like on the challenge are kind of employees of his company. Um, And again, they're just really likable. They're kind of almost like the underdogs because everybody else has more of a background of like, you could understand why they're kind of like specialised in doing certain things given their careers or their backgrounds or like their hobbies and interests are all in, you know, all these big um, ultra ultra events and triathlons and things like that. You can tell they've got that background and that physicality about them. But because this other team are quite, you wouldn't on the surface maybe look at them and think like, oh, they're going to compete on this level. But they managed to do really, really well. And uh, yeah, it's just, and everybody else kind of deserves it. I wouldn't say there's a, a single team where I'm watching it and you think like, oh, I'm enjoying watching you fail here. It's not like that. It's quite quite a good spirit to the show of like you wanting people to succeed in what they're doing. And um, yeah, just just a fun one to watch. If you've got Was a it few on? hours to watch on Disney. Oh, it's on Disney um, Plus, yeah. It is, yeah, because cool. it's a National Geographic show. Uh, cool, cool. How many episodes here? Let me see. Uh, it's a good, good few chunks of television to go all the way through it. But uh, yeah, don't don't go on the internet and obviously spoil it for yourself because you'll find out who the winners were with these right, types yeah. of shows. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed that. That was a that was a nice a nice little watch. I had I had two two moments to be honest with you. Uh, over the holiday where I watched that type of thing. So I think it was just because I was out in the open, in the outdoors myself, and I was going on hikes or I was going for a jog in the morning sort of thing or a swim, and I was feeling quite outdoorsy, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I kind of watched that. And then my other, uh, again, very late to the party with this, but 
watched Free Solo, which was the documentary by National Geographic, which again is available on that platform um, and would have been in cinemas a good few years back. But I really enjoyed that. That was a a fantastic watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. He's a he's a fascinating character to say the least. Um, But yeah, that was a that was an interesting watch. So yeah kind of just d- dipping into those things uh, it's, it's not even worth going into my my any other this sounds ridiculous but i i decided to get hold of something to watch which was just completely switch your brain off time not like not after anything yeah <laughs> anything anything worthwhile um just wanted to watch absolute garbage and binge so i checked out the meg <laughs> which oh, i'd heard yeah, from various sources one? was which was fun yeah and it was fun but it's also terrible. Yeah. But it's also fun. Good. Yeah, that's but fine. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You I, love I a still good... can't to this day understand. Sorry, I was going to say, I still to this day can't understand the appeal of Jason Statham. I think he's an awful actor. And he is. Everybody loves him. That's <laughs> for the some point. reason. That's the point because he's just not charismatic at all. <laughs> and yeah. it's kind of funny that he's a leading man, but he's not charismatic enough to be that. Like, it's not. There's this weird thing. I can totally explain why I like Jason Statham. There's a (laughs) weird thing where you watch Arnie movies, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, and he's very charismatic and he's got a personality. You're kind Mm -hmm. of, you're kind of enraptured by his fucking aura or something. That's charisma. Yeah, there's definitely charisma there. Yeah. And his movies aren't great, but you're watching them. You know, you're like, ah, this is kind of fun. I'm having a good time. And then with Jason Statham, there's an element of the movie's shit, the story's shit, the writing is shit, Jason Statham is shit. (laughs) But there is something about him not taking any of it all that seriously, even though he looks like he is, that's just kind of endearing. I don't know. I think that's the thing. (laughs) Uh, And it just kind of makes you have a good time. Like... I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big fan of good shit movies. If if it's a yeah, if it's a shit movie that knows it's a shit movie, I'll probably enjoy it. You know. Mm. It, I yeah, think, that, uh, that that is to, to be fair to the Meg. That is, it's a genuine B movie. Yeah. Like that that when, when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself like, it is good because this is like it's a rare exception because like most that there's there are rare occasions in modern culture of genuine B movies like yeah. you get the you get the stuff which is made on the sci-fi channel and stuff like this you know like the people whatever the fuck they're called Sharknado, Sharknado. Tor- Sharknado. Tornado Shark Sharknado yeah. there you go like all these ones that people go oh you gotta watch it. it's really funny it's really good I that stuff's a total cop out to me I don't like that stuff I don't like stuff that goes out intentionally to be like this is going to be a B-movie. We know it's really shit and uh, we don't care that we've uh, yeah. been given all this money. We're going to have a bit of fun with it and kind of a bit of tongue-in-cheek. It's like, no, sorry, but the stuff the stuff that became cult cinema and the stuff that was a genuine B-movie was made with such sincerity by the people that made it. They wanted it to be good, but it didn't necessarily turn out that way. But there's something about the passion and enthusiasm that went into it yeah. that makes you love it. And... There's a bit of that in the Meg. Even though I, I wasn't a fan of it and enjoying it, I was still thinking, like, this is good because I think the people that made this came in with very, even though it is a bit 
like people might say, oh, it's having fun with itself. I don't know. I still think it wants to be a good film a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. still think a little part of it thinks like, no, this is this is going to be really good. We've it's got a little bit like here. that um, movie that you recommended to me recently, and I, I loved it. I had a great time. The Jared Butler one where there's an asteroid oh, coming. Greenland, yeah. Greenland. That was an mm-hmm. element of that in that film because I felt like they think they're making a good movie here. But mm-hmm. they're they're not really. But I'm loving it, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's that, yeah. I it's think there's that an aspect weird. to that. I think I, 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 uh, my personal take on Greenland is maybe it's 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 a bit better than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By comparison of the Meg, but like the Meg is yeah. There's definitely something there, and I I heard some rumors. Some I was reading something about. I watched Ben Wheatley's most recent one, In the Earth, which was a bit of a. I didn't mention it on the podcast even though I'm a fan of his career, because yeah. it was a bit of a disappointment to me. There were certain things that I liked about it, but I don't, I didn't want to be coming on the podcast, like just dissing stuff for the sake Slating of dissing stuff, it. yeah. Um, so that's the reason I didn't talk about that. But as I was reading a bit more about what Ben Wheatley was up to, there was some mention that he was going to make a sequel to The Meg. And I thought like, that's interesting. Why would you <laughs> want to do that? And that's what kind of caused me to be intrigued, yeah. as well as other friends saying like, oh, I'll go check it out. It's fun. And I can kind of see the bare bones are there for something good. There's like the there's enough in the premise and enough in the the world that it's built for itself in the first film that I think like someone with a bit of talent coming in here and playing about with this toy box a bit yeah. could create something really fun. And because you know, I know somebody like him as a filmmaker has an extensive knowledge of cult cinema and B movies and horror and stuff like that would definitely bring something to it pulpy and interesting that would work with the tone of that that premise. Yeah. And I'm I'm intrigued to see what he does with that because of it. Um but yeah, the Jason Statham thing, I'm still to this day, maybe I've not watched enough of his films to understand the appeal of him, like his physicality and stuff, because I've not really seen is it the crank movies and stuff I hear yeah. are quite good apparently. Um I, I'm a fan of the transporter movies. Okay, yeah. 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 So I've never really witnessed his physical abilities in the sense of like, you know, watching someone like, you know, the 80s kind of like classic, like, you know, your Van Dams and your people like that who have like, you know, uh, people watch it because they just want to watch them do their thing on a physical level. And that's fine. Um, But not everybody's a Jackie Chan or somebody where they've got like, you know, the charm and charisma as well as the physical ability and stuff like that. And I, I get that. And I can kind of understand where, how Jason Statham's career has emerged, that he yeah. fits into that mould a little bit maybe, but I've just not seen those films. So every time I watch him just plain acting, not on a physical level, just doing the acting thing, he comes across to me as like like just some East End fella down the pub <laughs> that you bump into. That is exactly That's not it. even that interesting to chat to, not even that charismatic. It's not like he's... He's not got. He's not got even that dimension of like this East End geezer sort of edge of like your Bob Hoskins. Yeah, or yeah. Like, you know what I mean. Or yeah, um, even your Vinnie Jones for Christ's sake. Yeah. You know, I'm not a big fan of, but I can kind of understand the the personality of Vinnie Jones coming through on screen a bit that people are, are invest in that. Yeah. But um, Jason Statham, like I say, he's just a very average persona on screen. And I yet, think it's a bit of how he looks and how he carries himself as well because he's, so, yeah. he's not a hard man British skinhead, but he looks like one. Mm. Um, but he is a tough guy. And mm. I think, wasn't it 
didn't he uh, he was a, an athlete he was a, a diver like he did the was he yeah he was a the the precise diving that you see on 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 the on the olympics and stuff he was he was a diver mm-hmm. before but i think there's a lot of just fascination with him and like he's a tough guy but he's not a tough guy, but he looks like a tough guy, and he acts like a tough. Yeah. It's it's this weird thing where, and he's yeah. got that slight transatlantic sort of personality, like tone in his voice and stuff coming yeah. across. You know, he's like you can understand him appealing in an American marketplace. He's come over, and he's kind of like he's not like I say he's not sort of like he doesn't come across enough as that gritty geezerish <laughs> guy yeah. from the East End that he would. Do. But but there's something quite slick about him and sort of like Hollywood about him at the same time like he's lived there long enough that he's picked up that persona a bit yeah. and something like that is in there but that also makes him come across as really bland to me I don't know why I just <laughs> yeah. can't because you're from where he's from you know it's like... <laughs> well I'm not from I mean obviously nowhere for, for anyone else listening who knows, knows the UK knows that there's a, a vast difference between the, the two well, he's, but, um, he's actually not from yeah. London he's not from the East End he just like puts that accent on in his movies I, <laughs> really yeah he's actually from around your neck of the woods i i'll look at oh, okay on. okay go on let's do a google let's do this why not jason statham here <laughs> no, we go i wasn't even aware of that i just made that assumption when i heard him because you know oh absolutely put, i made that assumption but bit. i remember looking him up and he's not from there uh he's from hmm. derbyshire actually all right okay which Fair is enough. not too far away from me i mean yeah it's a bit bit further up uh, but, yeah, but yeah he's not he's okay. not from the east end of London <laughs> alright so he must put that on a little bit to oh, help yeah. his career <laughs> that's interesting to know but yeah no uh, I'm not I'm not rushing to watch the Meg again but uh, but I did appreciate some aspects of it definitely I, um, I will, I'll probably check that out at some stage whenever I can get my hands on it yeah it's a fun bit of a holiday viewing. The only other thing that I did squeeze in, maybe just chuck this in at the end there, for, since I'm still yeah. on my, my rant here of holiday viewing. I forgot that I actually watched so much on this holiday, to be fair. I watch a lot um, of shit on holidays, and it's generally kind of shit stuff. It's fun. It's that <laughs> weird dynamic of, yeah. I don't care what I'm doing right now, because you're on holidays and you're just really relaxing. You really get to de-stress and you watch a lot of shit. Anyway, what was... Yeah, sorry. So the the other thing I bothered to dip into was um, I went on Netflix. I downloaded plenty of things for my son to watch on Netflix, but a few things for myself. And one of those was uh, Blood Red Sky, which was kind of trending near the top of the list there at the moment. And it was... I'm going to have to tread carefully with this. It's fairly obvious where this film goes, I'd mm-hmm. say, from... If you've seen the trailer, if you looked at the poster, the title itself is a giveaway. But I don't know how much I can really say about it. I'm going out there. Okay, if you don't want to have this spoiler, if you feel like this is a spoiler, then stop listening right now is all I will say. But I'm going to find it very hard to talk about what this movie is about without addressing this immediately. Okay. So I would say we're talking some form of territory where you mix something like, let's say some of the kind of like terrorist aboard a plane premises of like uh, Air Force One and that type of thing mixed in with, I'm going to do it, let the right one in. Okay. Ah, okay. Right. Yeah. So uh, Vampires so on a plane. <laughs> vampire in particular on a plane. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the general gist, like I say, is that uh, you have a mother who is on this late night transatlantic flight mm-hmm. um, in order to see a doctor who's going to perform some kind of operation on her to help cure something, which again at the start is kind of like, it's not right. described what it is. They keep guessing sort of thing. And she has her son on a flight with her and the son happened, uh, sorry, that the flight happens to be hijacked. Then it's suddenly revealed and all chaos sort of like develops from the fact that she is on the plane there. She's holding back her, um, her transformation and mm-hmm kind of the shit hits the fan from there really it cool. sort of mix, it's interesting because it mixes together like it's from what I could tell it's like a co sort of like it's a German and a US sort of production so uh, you get a mixture of uh, of dialects there and maybe due to that there is a certain weakness at times I guess in the way in some of the English dialogue and some of the lines coming from actors, characters that are kind of talking in English at times. Like those times it felt to me a little bit cheesy and a bit hammy and pulpy. Like the person who was writing it didn't really kind of have a full grasp. Maybe they were basing their language on movies they'd seen rather than a full understanding and a grasp of the language that the the actors were speaking and some of the performances were similar in that sense. But then when it was subtitled and I was listening to people talk in their natural dialects, it was way more engaging and it felt um, cool. uh, way more interesting to watch then. But yeah, it's hard to say. It's, it's just, a, just a fun idea, I guess, well explored. Like it's just a, And also on the level of being a fun exploration of like a, a mother's relationship to her son and a mother's fear towards her son growing up. And yeah, just it just approaches some nice themes and ideas there on that level with motherhood That's and true. stuff. Sounds really cool to me. Oh, I might watch that. Yeah, it's 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 a nice enough idea. Like I say, the idea that you know the hijackers are on board. She's there. She doesn't want to reveal her identity to anybody. And then, due to these circumstances, something has to happen. And then it's also, like I say, just quite a, a fun idea in exploring how, as a parent, she's kind of hiding that monstrous side of herself away from her son. It's not something she wants him to witness. Yeah, she's kind of ashamed of it and him having to accept the fact that that is a part of who she is and kind of deal with that. And it goes down some interesting territory as the plot develops, like certainly towards the end where like it, it takes some approaches with the plot and yeah. with the outcomes of the plot that traditionally like a US production is not going to take. Yeah, And I think because it's got that German aspect to it, it, it's got that world cinema kind of angle, I suppose in the sense of like, it's brave enough to do things that maybe, yeah, in a traditional piece of American entertainment, it would go in a different direction. Yeah. Um, but it's not perfect by any means, but it's interesting enough for setup uh, that if you want to just spend your time, again, it's got that element, which always appeals to me of like sticking a character in a contained environment and watching outside forces come in to kind of like let the, the tension sort of boil until something explodes, you know, like it's, it's got that aspect to it as well. Uh, yeah, cool. But it, I can understand why it's trending on the platform because it's something a bit different. It certainly it it combines things together that you've definitely seen before, but it does them in a way that feels a bit a bit fresh. Um, so that was 
that was one that I enjoyed watching one of the nights. Um, I will add that to my list. That sounds really, really cool to me. Challenge. Yeah. I'd say I've done a terrible job of explaining why anyone should watch it. But if you look at Air it, Force the trailer. Vampires, I am in. <laughs> well, yeah, I am there in. You go. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need. Yeah, that's the hook. But yes, that was all of my viewing. That's it from me. And that's it from Dean. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I'm not sure who we are. Is that a it was Russell a bit Brand of a, or the child catcher? It was a bit, no, <laughs> a bit of both. <laughs> I tried, uh, what's her name? Anne Robinson from The Weakest Link. Oh, you are The Weakest Link. You oh, are The Weakest terrible. Link. That's it from I, me. That's like a robot from... then as no. well. You are The anyway, Weakest Link. Goodbye. Um, we will not be watching and reviewing The Weakest Link episodes on this um, podcast in future. <laughs> we will not. If you don't know what it is, it's a great little reality British TV show that I used to watch when I was a kid. Anyway, goodbye. We'll see you again soon. Thank you. Yes, uh, we will see you soon. Thank you. I will update everyone how I'm getting on with things like Dune and stuff like that before the film comes out. We'll have a bit more Dune coverage the next few months, I'd say. So goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.